they are i mean i am not a gifted enough voice professional to be able to to produce for you a distinct jordan peters i haven't listened to enough hours of the man talk to like really have put in the work uh to do it more than a kermit the frog impression oh it's like an airy it's like an airy canadian kermit right in the same way that, like, I do have a distinct Ray Romano, but that's because I've put in the time, I've put in the work, you know, I've, I've logged those hours with Ray Romano. Did you just work out? So to to capitalize on what I was witnessing, you know how YouTube ads are a godless wasteland. You know how Absolutely like is. yeah how how they uh, are often uh, in, in a, a blight from the nether realm, and a lot of ways that manifests in like you're just trying to watch like a YouTube video about video games or anime. And suddenly, you know, some dude comes on to tell you about how, like, Christians are actually the most persecuted people on Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. um, I was uh, I was watching um, a, a uh, from the YouTube channel Mother's Basement, uh, which is an anime channel. I was watching. Uh, they were talking about the uh, new Netflix anime Dragon's Dogma based on the game of the same name. Sure. Of which I've heard just so, the worst things. Uh, he has nothing to, good to say about it either. Um, and I was also like, you know, this is one of those times where you're like, you're working your way through your videos playlist, but you're also like reading comics. It's just one of those times where you're like, I have two things I really need to knock out and I'm doing this at the same time. Um, and this ad starts playing and it's not in English, which happens from time to time. I'm not offended by that. It happens. I wonder how I am selected for the algorithmic program here, but normally it's like in Spanish. This one, I was like, this sounds Israeli. And it's by some ad group called One for Israel. And it starts... Okay, so if an ad from Israel starts with a bunch of people saying, they've been lying to us for 2,000 years. <laughs> oh, boy. You, you, you know you're in for a trip. You're in for a treat. And they're like, there's... And I was like, okay, this is going... I thought it was going in a direction where I was like, I was getting like Israeli propaganda against Palestine on YouTube.com. Like I thought that was surely where we were going, right? Sure. And then these Israeli people are like, they've been lying to us for 2000 years. Jesus was a Jewish person, just like me. Jesus dove in the water to save me. <laughs> Jesus is your savior, fellow Jewish people. And I was like, oh, oh. And then you called and I was like, I am just emerging out of this of this cloud, this terrible like uh, Galactus from Fantastic Four Two: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Just like this cloud that surrounds me. I have come, my son, to save you. Yeah, Parallax from the Green Lantern film. I do go on, uh, and you've you like uh, apparently Jesus have pulled me out of uh, this this uh, uh, horrid spiral. So I do appreciate that. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome that to only helps show. those who help themselves, Kevin. I merely came because I saw you trying. Trying to survive. I love, I love... God helps those that helps themselves is one of those very cool quotes that gets said all the time by Christians, but is absolutely 100% not in the Bible. 
<laughs> I hate to I hate to kick off a community podcast so controversially, but it's one of those times where like a Christian mom says like, "Well, cleanliness is next to godliness," and I'm like, "That's not biblical. That's just something that people say." <laughs> well, was, I mean, I guess you could say that like faith without works might be yeah. in reference to the 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 first thing I said. Right, but he's not he's not speaking of cleaning your room. He's not speaking of the Jordan Peterson like eat nothing but red meat and clean your room business. I cannot uh, escape that fucking guy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry uh, that you can't escape him. It's not a problem. It's <laughs> not fucking... a problem. I am currently being uh, held hostage by my own carnivorous daughter in, <laughs> <laughs> in the same building that Tom Cruise climbed in Ghost Protocol. He's like what happens to... He's like what would have happened to Kermit the Frog if you locked him in a basement and only let him watch A Clockwork Orange and The Birth of a Nation. <laughs> If you had, and I hate to besmirch uh, my main man, Kermit the Frog, a perfect fictional creation this way, but unfortunately, that is what he sounds like. <laughs> like if, like if, if uh, I know everyone has made this comparison before, but if Ray Romano had made like a hard post-Raymond pivot, instead of becoming like a surprisingly excellent dramatic actor right like uh, like a if he hadn't decided to work with scorsese and if raymond had instead made a hard pivot to <laughs> youtube conservatism you <laughs> you get jordan peterson <laughs> yes but without any of the charisma <laughs> without any of the innate animal magnetism of ray romano I don't think I've ever had to describe Jordan Peterson, but I think that I'm proud of my He's Kermit the Frog if you liked him in the basement and only let him watch those two movies. That's uh He's Kermit Yeah, he's Kermit the Frog if you forced him to go carnivorous. If you gave him if you forced him <laughs> to eat Miss Piggy, then that is what you would the psych the both the voice and psychology you would get on the other side. Yeah, if you forced him to clean his room and then eat other frogs. Right, absolutely. <laughs> And you, you get if you forced him to eat Robin, or if Robin had made Kermit go on a full carnivorous diet. Uh, I love these folks that I see on the horrible uh, online websites lately that are like, Sesame Street is doing uh, pro-Black Lives Matter propaganda? Elmo's teaching kids to wear masks? When did the Muppets get so hashtag woke? And I'm like, so obviously... What, you've never fucking seen Sesame Street? <laughs> yeah, apparently you've never watched Sesame Street. Because it's like, apparently... As, it's, yeah, what the fuck have you been you've, doing? you've never seen Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> like, you must... You must have, like only turned on the part where they're where the count is teaching you numbers that's paramount to being like mr rogers says take care of people fucking sjw like they stopped it like they the lesson they took away was be nice and not the lesson that like <laughs> everyone is equal and you should treat everyone as as being equal um i they they took away they stopped at cookie monster they only got as far as cookie monster yeah, my uncle, uh, Sketch Sawyer, for those of you who want to look him up on Twitter, is a comic book artist for a living, and um, I don't, I might have talked about this last week, but Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, I guess mentioned or tweeted, somehow brought up the fact that Japan has a like f seven story, six story, four story Gundam that like moves and shit. 
Hell yeah. And my uncle was cued to this by somebody and so ran to his Wacom and drew a fine representation of the the congressperson, congresswoman, and a Gundam and shared it with her and got like 50,000 likes. It's wild. And then and that ended up, long story short, progressing into, like, he sent them a physical print that's hanging in her office now in Minnesota. Hell yes. But the number of people who were on Twitter, like, you've ruined Gundam for me. Gundam should stay non-political. Gundam I was like, <laughs> I was like, yo, yo, if there's a show that's more political than Gundam in this era of anime, please show me, because it does not exist. Are you fucking kidding me? I love when people out themselves as just being bad at watching stuff. It's one of my most favorite things. Uh, people accidentally out themselves for fast-forwarding through the slow parts. <laughs> yeah, where people accidentally out themselves as like, so you've either never actually read an X-Men comic book, or you are so bad at interpreting what comes into your brain that you think the X-Men should not be dabbling in social issues. You absolute clown shoes motherfucker. You fucking numpty. <laughs> you dump, you dunce, you absolute <laughs> you absolute fucking froghead you, imagine you piece of the, shit. I'm sure that Disney's trying to figure out how to bring the X-Men into the MCU. We all know that's what they're, what they're doing. Can you imagine that they just make a few good choices and get a few movies that are just the most on-topic, just let's fucking talk about it, and how people are going to be like, Disney's ruined X-Men, and how it will then fall on our shoulders, those who have actually been paying attention and who've read X-Men's shoulders, to stand up and be like, um, they were made during civil rights, and it's kind of their thing. When the X-Men came around in 1963, it was very much Stan Lee, a real liberal hippie son of a bitch, uh, trying to teach upper-crust New York white kids about the civil rights movement. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they were like, it's, you know, it was a very 1963 take on that idea, but the idea is like, hey, this could have been you. And this is what it would feel like if someone that looked like you were going through these things. And so you run it through, and it, the early Marvel comic books are for fucking babies, you know? So so it's like running through your young brain and, and processing these things. It's there from day one. They did a fucking, the X-Men get AIDS storyline in the 80s. <laughs> Like, they're not subtle about it. They, a couple years ago, there was a storyline about the Mutant Deportation Act. Like, they're not subtle about it. Absolutely. Fucking, one of the biggest storylines is the fucking mutant registration. Uh, one of the, the, the Sentinels and Mutant Island and... I'm still putting it down. The greatest X-Men story of all time, God Loves, Man Kills, is about a television preacher who uses, who misconstrues and bastardizes the Bible as an excuse to brutalize and terrorize mutants and take their rights away. It's the best X-Men story that's ever been or ever will be because it's perfect. It's so <laughs> good. It's so it good. Uh, what is it? God it, kills, men, God saves what is it? God God loves, man kills. Uh, and usually the cover is like Wolverine on an X-shaped crucifix, like strung up on the lawn. Like 
not subtle shit. Um, but it's it's exquisite. It's like a graphic novel, um, and it's it's quite short. I would recommend it to anyone out there. Um, I would I would recommend the following things we've talked about: the X Men, uh, Gundams, uh, the Muppets. I would not recommend Jordan Peterson. If you do not know who that is, I am not I am not going to ruin your day like that. I am not going to be the person that tells you about it. I won't do it. Just one tiny brief thing before we get into the topic of this show. But I was reminded recently because there are okay. Are you at all familiar with the Marvel hero Captain Britain? I know that he's the British version of Captain America. Currently, Captain Britain, who's usually a man, he is retired and his sister has taken over the mantle. And she's fucking dope. It's the best material either of those characters have gotten in decades. And there are, of course, people that are mad about it. But if you actually cared about, like, the stories of these characters you would be fine with it because but you just don't want women to have things and it reminded me of this bizarre period that i guess we've been living in for the last seven years where where people are just pretending that they cared about the mandarin before iron man 3 (laughs) where folks are just like trying to convince me that they gave two shits about the iron man villain the mandarin and for so you know all those kids on the playground wearing their mandarin t-shirts when you and your friends would go out to recess and you played iron man and mandarin you know it was the classic di- everyone had mandarin themed birthday parties and you were so betrayed by iron man 3's portrayal of that beloved not horribly racist character the mandarin <laughs> Yeah. Where everyone just pretended like they gave a shit. I'm like, you didn't care about Captain Britain before this happened? Don't lie to me. Don't don't you come into my house, internet, and pretend like you give a shit about Brian Childhood. I'm ruining the discovery you made. Wait 30 seconds from now, because you haven't Googled it yet. When you learned it became a woman... You suddenly decided to care and get mad about it. You didn't care about Captain Britain. Don't fucking lie to me. I So I used to be one of those people that took the hard, like, I did a bunch of research beforehand and realized, oh, this is what they're going to talk about. And then would, this specifically, almost specifically in relation to, to Iron Man 3, being like, oh my god, they're going to do Mandarin. This guy looks like he's a big deal. That's kind of dope. And then seeing it and being like, they ruined Mandarin. But I got over that really quickly when I realized, like, <laughs> shit don't matter. Yeah. Uh, this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies, a podcast about the American television comedy community that we look at one or two episodes at a time. Uh, this is the beginning of our season three coverage. And we are the Greendale Three, but tonight, just the Greendale Two, <laughs> I'm afraid. Yes. Uh, the Greendale Three is all of our listeners. You are our third. Um, <laughs> I am one of your hosts. TV's Kevin Lanigan, and and you didn't have to, Dean. You could have lived the rest of your life in blissful ignorance and died a happy pansexual imp. But you <laughs> wanted to feel real power this year. And now you're going to feel my power as it surges from me down through you from nostril to rectum now until the end of time. <laughs> and that's was. <laughs> uh, such a good fucking monologue and, oh. Oh, dude delivers dude delivers John Goodman's amazing I'm the your daddy host and I mean you call I mean my, my name's Caleb that too uh, and I, I don't have anything that's gonna top that so just call me John Goodman when yeah. uh, when you see me 
And I just call it. you John Goodman, the greatest actor of all time. Uh, um, Vice Dean Laybourne, which, like John Goodman, good name. Vice Dean Laybourne, good name. Good name. <laughs> Fucking good name. <laughs> when I was uh, doing my X Men as community characters uh, list, uh, Vice Dean Laybourne was Magneto, and I do not regret that one iota. Yeah. And that that incredible comic uh, page edit that I saw come across your timeline on that Twitter, and I was like, "Exquisite photoshopped image of <laughs> putting that monologue in Magneto's mouth, as done by the great Jay Edidin uh, of Jay and Miles Explain the X Men, and uh, the recent writer of Marvel's Snapshots, uh, Cyclops, which I have here right next to my recording desk. Wouldn't you know it? Um, Wouldn't you know it? But I was uh, watching this episode. Uh, for who knows how many times now. And I said, is John Goodman the greatest actor that has ever been? <laughs> and the thing I couldn't think of was an, uh, the counterexample. Like, who who would I put against Big John? Because Big John can do <laughs> comedy, like sitcom yep. comedy. Yep. Uh, he can do straight-faced comedy like he does on Community. He can do hard-out dramas, uh, HBO dramas, big Coen Brothers dramas, and he uh, is also a phenomenal and versatile voice actor. Is there any better actor than Big John? I think for... Mm, no. The only person that comes to mind because of his voice acting talent is Clancy Brown. Clancy's great. I was would... like, oh, he's a really quality character you throw in for us for an for an episode of a season. But he's I a... don't think I've seen him as the leading man in a thing. You right. Know? I want to see that, and I don't think that Clancy can't do it. But I haven't seen it. And Clancy, I love. You know, he he's the guy. He can be your Shawshank Redemption. Or he can be in the season two finale of Lost. Or he can be fucking Mr. Krabs. And he can do all three of those things. I love Clancy. You won't hear me say a bad word about Clancy. He's, he's great. He's great. And yeah. his voice. Ooh. Ooh. But John Goodman. Ugh. It's a whole, it's a whole different man. bag. The, uh, to, you know, we're just, uh, into our episode coverage, uh, of the season three <laughs> premiere already, uh, season three, episode one, Biology 101, directed by Anthony Russo, written by, uh, Garrett Donovan and former guest of the show, Neil Goldman, uh, in the season three premiere, Pierce returns to the study group, the group starts taking biology, and Jeff has a bizarre monkey gas <laughs> episode, um, as uh, we are introduced to uh, a heretofore barely mentioned aspect of Greendale, that they have a gigantic air conditioner repair annex. Yeah, uh, and it's like the money-making part of the school. <laughs> it's 80% of their funds come from the air conditioner yeah. repair school. Uh, more accurately, Dean, this is where Greendale's money comes from. Oh, Big John, what a... He's so good. He's on, so good. I just fucking love every time this guy shows up on my damn television set. I'm never, you know, those actors. Everyone has like their own list where they're like, ah, oh, yes, good. They're in this. They've shown up now. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> and this this episode feels so emblematic of what I was talking about last week as well of this phenomenon of you know exactly what Dan Harmon's been watching based on the guest actors he has on the show. 
uh, because sure. you have we have this episode also also introduces Michael Kenneth Williams from The Wire. Omar's mm-hmm. coming, and uh, and John Goodman at this time was also on the HBO drama Treme. Uh, where I feel like that recency kind of got him in here, but he was like bouncing. That's why he has a ponytail and a goatee later in this season, because sure, sure. Uh, or maybe he was just coming off of damages. I mean, John, John works. John books. It works. He works. I remember him when I think of John. The first thing I think of is him as the Cyclops in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, incredible big dan teague the bible salesman who mercilessly (laughs) beats our heroes with a tree branch everyone treat yourself and go watch your brother where art thou you know just like just treat your damn self (laughs) and and so we get him uh speaking of actors with incredible voices can you have a better gift as an actor than the one-two punch of a face scar running from your forehead across your nose and the voice and that Michael Kenneth Williams voice. has. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's unfair. It's unfair. It's like he's he needs a someone to be anime villain or badass, it's... and it's like, well, this guy has both of those things in spades. And yeah, it's unfair. He it's unfair. he works. He's never been able to turn his like all time performance as Omar on the Wire into bigger like movie star success or anything like that, but. He has such a dependable character actor career, and yep. he he kills it. I don't think he kind of fills the same uh, slot that I put Jonathan Banks into on relation to community, where I don't know if they think what they are doing is funny, but the absolute tenacity with which they are doing it makes it funny. Yeah, I've always wondered when you see a very serious actor in a comedic show as like a cameo if they know they're being funny or if they're just reading the lines like i guess people think this is funny uh it literally bugs me almost every time a normally dramatic actor is on a comedic thing so like yeah i completely understand that that like does i mean i you have to imagine that I've, i don't know if you've watched my uh, michael kenneth williams had a show on fuck was it vice oh he had a show on Vice, um, you know, before we found out Vice's founder was a fucking douche. Um, whoops. Yeah, whoops. How do you how do you establish a news? You don't think you think you're immune from the news because you make the news? <laughs> yeah, and the content that Vice made is so fucking woke in most cases. Right. And then this guy's like, actually, I hate black people and Jewish people. Like Sorry. they, uh, Vice has the only the like one of only like two incredibly like liberal <laughs> socialist communist video game platforms I've ever uh, yeah. uh, experienced, you know? Uh, and then he's like, actually, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm a piece of shit. And I thought, I thought I had like a William Randolph, her Citizen Kane kind of immunity from the news because I make the news, but I guess not. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, so, so he had a show on Viceland called Black Market. So, like, from what I remember, there were, he was talking to people that did, like, street racing and shit. Idris Elba also did this, so it's easy to mix these two up. Sure. Idris sure. Elba also went to Detroit and talked to, like, street racers and shit. But most notably, Michael K. Williams, like, infiltrated a, like, carjacking ring in New Jersey to report on it. It's some wild shit. Like, homie's so good at, like, just being that guy. 
that like he's hanging out and talking to these people in a carjacking ring and like it's called black market because it's talking about like them stealing cars taking them to garages removing the vins re you know painting them and shit and then selling them and it's fucking wild i'm i'm on his imdb right now because i just want to make sure that this guy oh he's on lovecraft country i haven't watched that yet yeah Um, he's he's like the grandpa or the dad cool i guess depending on what generation that show's taking place in at that moment as he should be uh he was trumpet man in motherless brooklyn um, it was Chalky White and Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Oh, Chalky White. Yes. Yeah, dude. Uh, right. I didn't... I have not seen all of Boardwalk Empire. I will... Okay, it looks like... Oh, apparently he's in the Assassin's Creed movie. Uh, it really looks like he works... Like in that movie. Almost yeah. every year he's on some HBO series or miniseries. Yeah, and he's, that uh, is he's his, HBO reg. Yeah. He's the HBO guy. Uh, yeah. In the same way that, like, after Lost... ABC was just putting the actors from Lost in fucking any show. It didn't matter. They were like, "We are you are over here now uh, because we are going to." <laughs> Michael keep Emerson's you. been on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right, exactly. Emerson escaped. Emerson uh, uh, ran away to CBS, uh, but every other oh, actor right. on Lost. I was thinking, Person of Interest was yes, 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 yes. yes. No, nah, but okay. he's on, uh, and then he went from Person of Interest right into another CBS show, Evil. Uh, so he's, so he's, and you know what? Emerson has been working nonstop in television. God bless. That's another guy. That's another yep. fucking guy. Where like that voice and that fucking face makes you yeah. one yeah. of the greatest i yes we need to solve the person of interest uh any just any <laughs> fucking thing that guy good. says or does is incredible don't you read i guess i'm kicked out of the book club uh it's just, he can he can turn anything into fucking butter one of my favorite uh pastimes during quarantine is to look at michael emerson tweets and read it out loud <laughs> in my michael emerson impression <laughs> <laughs> So that's it's the best. That's how it's we have best. fun uh, in this place. I, but no, I love, I love these like just rediscovering my love for like character actors who also have tremendous vocal talent that you realize later. Because like we've gone through a list of some talent: John Goodman, Clancy Brown, Michael Emerson, fucking Michael K. Williams. Uh, Michael K. Williams. Like they're all over the they're all over the place, man. They're all over they're the, place. All over the place. And we you just don't see it. Right. They're, they're, they're working nonstop. Uh, and, and we are uh, talking about a show with an incredibly talented uh, vocal cast of their own. You know? Sure. Um, sure. Uh, Troy. Uh, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Charles Gambino next. Donald Glover uh, is a tremendously talented everything. Um, but has Absolutely. also voice acted as Spider-Man. Uh, the Miles Morales version, of course. Of course. Uh, uh, Danny Pudi is a fucking ducktail. Wait, who is? Uh, Danny Pudi is one of the current ducktails. That's I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's excellent. It's him, Bobby Moynihan, and Ben Schwartz. <laughs> and like and like, <laughs> David Tennant is Scrooge. It's just the most. Uh, Kate Micucci is the girl duck. It's just. What it's the, the fuck? It's production, the most, the production it's, dinners must be the fucking best. It's the most grossly overqualified. And I have nothing bad to say about the current DuckTales show. It's very funny. But it's the most grossly overqualified cast I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's an all-star team to play fucking T-ball. Like, let's, Alice, guys, Allison chill. Brie is Unikitty in the Lego movie franchise. Um, and, and in a movie 
entirely cast by your favorite supporting actors from your favorite sitcoms, she manages to be, like, maybe the standout supporting character, I guess besides Batman. It's Batman and then... (laughs) Unicated. And then Unicated. And then Unicated. Yes. Uh, but we are, uh, Ken Jong voice acts on shit all the time. Bob's Burgers, he's been on like 1,500 times. So it's, uh, listen, these people work. Shall, dare we actually talk about the episode at play? I mean, <laughs> dare we, dare we discuss point, like what's the, use? the plot? <laughs> right. Like we've wasted, you know, how long have we been, uh, we've been recording for 34 minutes. Uh, it's about time we talked about the plot of, of this episode. So yeah. this. I, I quite like this episode on the whole. There's a lot of really funny shit in this episode. The John Goodman monologue is transcendent. Um, but you also have, like, uh, one of my favorite Dean bits of the season where he's like, I am not running a hotel for monkeys. If I were, <laughs> I'd have banana-flavored everything, I'd lower the shower knobs, and I'd cut holes in the back of the bathrobes. <laughs> and Mel Rodriguez is like, you've... <laughs> given this Put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> the great, the great Mel Rodriguez, the great Mel Rodriguez as the head of security here at Greendale. Fucking, I love this dude. He's so funny every time he shows up on the show. I don't know what else he's. He what, was, what else I've seen him in? He was on um, a short-lived uh, Fox sitcom called Enlisted. Uh, about a, a military base, a military training base in Florida, where Keith David was the military commander, um, and and Mel Rodriguez was one of the recruits named Chabaski, uh, and he was very <laughs> funny. And then he basically bounces from that right to these three episodes of Community, and then he rockets from this over to Last Man on Earth, the the Will Forte show. Yeah, the Will Forte and, show, yeah. and he rides right. that for what five seasons you know he 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 makes that work and he is fucking wonderful on that show as well he's he's a just one of the most like dependable likable funny dudes he's great i love him every time he's on screen i i quit <laughs> i quit i <laughs> guess we uh, could so use good. some kind of gas that eliminates <laughs> monkeys <laughs> monkey gas i like it follow mm. it look it up you're lucky i need my scuba certification <laughs> but um but in this episode it's they they take an interesting track right because the season two finale leaves you in a place where you don't have to bring pierce back if you don't want to i don't sure. i don't know the behind the scenes situation here because it definitely feels like that finale is written in such a way that if Chevy had wanted to leave, or if the show had said it's time for you to go, that's a pretty perfect exit for that character. And he gets to leave on yeah. top. He yeah. he comes out as top dog. He won the paintball game. He has one up on the whole study group. And he gets to leave on his own terms instead of dying from jerking off to death two seasons from now. <laughs> Which is what happens to that character, lest we all forget yeah, he has to fill all those files of his extremely virile semen. His hypervirile sperm. A nitrogen-cooled cylinder of my hypervirile sperm. And <laughs> Watching shit. Uh, Pedro Dragons Pascal. Just fucking... Oh, it was Pedro Pascal. Yes. It was Pascal, Pascal, Pascal in the virtual Stumble through read. those. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watching uh, him like realize he didn't read any of these ahead of time and being like, oh my god, what? <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, he, he was a fan of the show. Apparently he and Gillian know each other. Like, he was was 
into the show he had seen it and enjoyed it but like i guess he didn't like do his due diligence or sometimes you just get caught on like these labyrinthine insane lines that people have to say yeah, on yeah it's fucking wild it was a very good read overall because everyone in that reads well it's the whole show we just talked about being very talented but to add pedro as like it's just it was perfect Pedro's great, and Walton Goggins does uh, an exemplary job. Uh, I love how Walton Goggins has this, like, wonderfully severe energy that's almost so severe every time he's on screen, you kind of want to laugh, too. Right, and he's so... It's really weird. On the dramas where he cut his teeth and became a character actor we were all watching, because he was, you know, in the same way that Michael K. Williams is a HBO guy, he was an FX guy. So he's on The Shield, and he bounces over to Sons of Anarchy, and he bounces up to Justified. Justified. Exactly. And Justified is where... He is, like, one of the main characters on the show. He's the second lead. He is this incredible performance as um as wade boy i uh boyd crowder i found it in my brain um and it's it's this exemplary like 60s he was one of those guys like noho hank on barry where he is very obviously killed off at the end of the pilot but they watch the pilot and they're like this guy's way too fucking they good. They focus group pilot and went, oh shit. We cannot right, kill back, this guy off. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Like you came back or something. Like you, it was a flesh wound or whatever. You know, we'll put you with, with Walton Goggins. They put him in the hospital for like half the season uh, to like kind of justify, forgive the pun, justify why he's alive. But he's just one of those guys that comes in and nails it so hard. And it almost like defies yeah. all logic why he would survive but he does because you cannot get rid of this incredible element that you have in your pilot <laughs> I, I need to go back and rewatch that show because noho hank is so fucking good we i've seen the first season and i'm about to watch the second season uh so i'm excited but noho hank is fucking incredible he's so <laughs> so, so funny anthony kerrigan There's a scene in the second season where he tries to get a guy to kill hank or kill sorry uh uh barry and he fucks up and barry shoots him shoots the guy that was trying to shoot him Uh in like the leg so he can't do it (laughs) and then threatens noho hank and noho hank like freaks out and like tries to act tough for a second and then barry's like wow i wasn't gonna kill you and and then hank pukes and he's like oh my god i was so nervous i was so nervous (laughs) it's one of the funniest he's so fucking funny man that guy's fucking incredible uh, but I, right. what were we talking about? We, they had an angle to get rid of Pierce. And there, yes, there, they had a there, perfect exit strategy. And there is Pierce material that comes along down the line that I think is good. I like his advanced gay plot line. Like, I like the story of this yeah. season that he's overcoming his father that we spent a couple episodes of season two, like, setting up. I like that plot line. Season four is actually a fairly good Pierce season, even though it is the season where Chevy Chase fully melts down and says the N-word on set and is no longer allowed on the set of Community <laughs> during season <laughs> four. Um, uh, but And then he gets to uh, masturbate himself to death, which is perhaps how that character deserved to go out. But this could have been a graceful exit, yes. right? And... They don't take that route. I don't know if that's Chevy. I don't know if that's the producers. I don't know if that's NBC. I don't know who makes that call. Sony, whoever. But they decide to bring him back. 
And season two was constructed in such a way, in the finale especially, that we have to spend like this whole episode justifying how and why Pierce would rejoin the main cast of Community. <laughs> it's very strange. It seems it seems like because didn't didn't we speak previously in season two of like there being moments where Pierce just aware Chevy just did not want to be doing what he was doing. So it seems like they wrote season two with like an an option for him, and maybe Chevy was like, "Well, actually, I want to come back." You know what I mean? Like maybe, I mean, who knows? We'll never know this because that's just not something people talk about really at all when it comes to community. There, there might be some BTS stuff right. that like you and I just don't know. I'm sorry, BTS being behind the scenes, not the band that people like that teens are all about. Right. Right. Um, there's yeah, just stuff that we'll never know, and it's I I don't want to spend all day like inferring who it might have been, but it, it creates an episode, and it's one of these things. It's the same problem I have with the Chicken Fingers episode, which is an episode I love, but everyone but Jeff are such sheeple in this fucking episode. <laughs> like these characters also went through hell at the hands of Pierce last season, and. He comes back in season three and everyone's like, hey, welcome back, Pierce. Like, I know they made the decision to let him back in in the finale. I think they just all but, bad quotation marks. But, but they let him in way too easy. Like, it's all, it feels so, like, would, would, would Annie especially be this welcoming? Of him after everything they went through at the paintball finale. I know that like three months of summer heals a lot of wounds, <laughs> but but it feels especially after all of the specific emotional rigmarole that he put her through. It, it feels a little disingenuous that everyone but Jeff would be perfectly fine with him. Like everyone would sing songingly welcome him back into the group. Am I wrong? Am I out of no? Here? It's weird. It's it's weird. It's very weird. I won't call it bad but it is weak yeah and like it's even more to your point previously it would be i think maybe less weird <laughs> i have a hard time describing it it's so weird that it would be less weird if we knew ahead of time the episodes pierce had coming because like then it would be like mm. oh they had a reason to bring him back but that being said it's also very weird because we didn't need those given the way it could have just dismounted. It's really strange. It's really strange. I remember watching this the first time going through it in 2014 when I finally got to watching this show, and I remember thinking, like, oh, Terry Chase is already gone. All right. And then coming back... Late? Minutes later, probably, because I was binging it, and being like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> and then just kind of, like, letting it go. Because you for this show is very good at, like, making a choice that you're like, Ugh? and then making you forget, like... 30 minutes later. Um, and this was one of those cases where I was right. like, why? And then, you know, as season three progresses, you're like, okay, I get it. But they do kind of shoot themselves in the foot, or I guess like lay a nail strip down themselves and then walk through the nails because they do like eliminate this like really good character arc and out. Uh, and the, and yeah. they do just kind of toss that out with the bathwater and go, actually, We'll figure it out later. And then when they do figure it out, it does feel like a decision that was made because someone said, we'll figure it out later. Right. It's, it's and there's, and it's, you know, I don't know how fair it is to look at the rest of this season or even the seasons to come and use that to color this decision. 
But in light of having seen the rest of this show several times, it's it feels so weird that they would make the choice to bring him back because this season in particular, they do everything they can to separate him from the rest of the cast. Yeah. They, they lock him in a trailer. They stick a, a body double in a pillow man suit. Just like every possible version of this they use as little pierce as possible yeah and very strange. It, it's just it's it it ends up becoming very um what did, i'm what did sorry i just sent you something that i thought you would miss while you were finishing your sentence so i just realized that this ad on top of my screen on the imdb page i'm on is for mm-hmm. the number one selling curcumin brand but then if you look to just to the right of where it says that, it's a box that says Curamin. So that's not curcumin. And then if you look just to the right of that, the reviews for Curacumin. <laughs> so this product is mislabeled three times, or at least twice. It's mislabeled twice in this ad. So if I <laughs> if I were to click on this ad that is on your IMDb page, I would surely get like a laughing skull and crossbones fill up my laptop screen like <laughs> i would get i would get that screen from jurassic park where dennis ned ah ah that's uh that is uh oh and yes it's here in the gallery of images we've shared on skype which is of course a beautiful photo of jim rash in black and white looking dashing with a full head of hair. Yes. Uh, Lauren Stamile <laughs> uh, in a beautiful yellow dress. It's the long history of images we've yes. sca- shared together in this Skype conversation. Oh, good. I forgot about that Stamile I, picture for good reason. I personally uh, regret nothing. <laughs> but um, So anyway, it leaves this episode in a very strange position. And even though there's a lot of things I like, this is the beginning. Like, the first three episodes of this season... There's a lot of good stuff in them, but they all feel incredibly wonky to me. They feel kind of half-baked in a way that the show usually doesn't. You know, if a a new girl plotline doesn't resolve cleanly, that doesn't really bother me because that's not what I expect from that show. That show is just like, we're going to try and make you laugh as much as possible in a 21-minute period, but community is always trying to do a different thing. Neither one of those is better or worse than the other, but like community is a show that almost prides itself on its clean plotting. And so these, these first three episodes leading up to remedial chaos theory all feel kind of wonky, half formed. They didn't really have like their larger thesis. And then we get a bunch of bangers all right in a row leading into Christmas. Yeah. It's something we talked about previously, where it's almost as if with remedial chaos theory being something that they're working on, that's almost where all of their allocated time and effort was going. So these episodes kind of suffer a little bit because the time and energy is going towards remedial chaos theory specifically. But then we have the the Halloween episode of the season, which is excellent. Uh, Glee Club Christmas, Foosball, Advanced Gay, just like yeah, all the of season kind of cascades into just better and better episodes. Like some of my favorite episodes of this show are in this season. Right. Once we get out of this first batch, it's it almost like this straight first batch is like a it's like a reset button almost. And like not a reset right. literally because they don't they don't like backtrack any they don't redact anything they don't backtrack anything they don't 
start over in any way, but it does feel like if you were to just start watching this show, season three it acts like, hey, you know what? Maybe that's maybe even part of the motivation, right? Because season two ended with a show with a series of episodes that were globally, well, not globally, but like widely talked about. <laughs> um, that maybe they had plans that like maybe let's let the first couple episodes of season three be like a low, a low floor to get in on. But at the same time, you say that. And then think about the fact that, like, Vice Dean Laybourne's introduced in episode one, and it's this whole separate thing that is definitely more macro than it is micro. So, yeah. And it's going to last the entire season. Exactly. And it's, and it's going to run the duration of... And this season is much more serialized than anything we've gotten before. Sure. With, um, with the Inspector Spacetime stuff, which kind of subtly takes over the show for, like, two seasons. And we'll, I'm sure, talk about how thin that gets stretched at certain points. Uh, but, like, Britta's psychologist arc, um, the, the the Vice Dean Laybourne stuff, the these separate arcs that they pan throughout the season, and we, you know, uh, the Chang security chief shit is going that's like to a, that's dominate like a, six a huge episode part burn. of the season. It's like a six-episode development. I love it. This is so, like, plot-based, and so it almost feels like the first season of a... or the first episode of a season of a drama, where they're like, okay, we need to lay the groundwork for what the plot lines are going to be in Bloodline Season 2. And so the first episode is really just laying that pipe down so that we can then use that set-up pipe to do some sweet... Uh, ollies and some some sweet 180s off of the that half pipe. Sure, you know what yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's um, it's That's interesting. Like, like, maybe there's some exposition being done in these first three. Ep- I mean, I guess that's kind of it. Yeah, it's like, hey, what if, uh, we just spent three episodes, kind of spinning up the gears on what we're gonna do for the rest of the season, and then remedial chaos theory will throw that element of what the fuck into it and then you can spend the next you know 20 uh 18 episodes trying to figure out what the fuck's actually going on with these four arcs we've spun up and then distracted you about i right i'm i'm fine with it because normally the beginning of a season is when my brain's the most turned off which is a shame but there's so many shows that people are like you just have to get through the first couple episodes (laughs) and you know even i have shows like that that i love but Hopefully, and I don't think these first three episodes are bad. I, I do think I think maybe one of them is bad, but these three uh, the episodes are wonky, but still like good right. and funny and creative. This sh- this episode opens with like the wonderful musical number that we haven't even mentioned. That like Jeff's fantasy is this <laughs> like we are going to have more fun and be less weird than the first two years combined. Uh, we're going to be joyous. We have all of these likable actors, some of which you know. From from other things it's going to be colorful i'm gonna fuck annie you know <laughs> like there's I was about a, to say he's still just pierce is not there <laughs> this is the season yeah. that like the show kind of tilts into we are acknowledging jeff annie where they really haven't for the first two seasons in the most part you know we have like the fallout from jeff kissing annie in the finale but that wasn't really set up and that payoff is dropped almost immediately. And the yeah. this is the season where we really start to acknowledge that um, in the next episode especially, but then in, in several coming down the pike. And I have aggressively mixed feelings about that. 
and it it boopy doopy doop doop sex. See, that's part of the good part of it, right? That's part yeah. of that is uh, what we call a perfect joke. I have less charitable feelings about their plot line in episode two, the Model UN episode, which we will talk about. Yeah, which has probably one of the weirdest lines used to make something happen in a show. That not is just weird to the people in the room, but was weird to me watching. Being yeah. like, what? <laughs> Why would Jeff say that? It makes me but, feel you know. uh, very uncomfortable, and it's the episode that put me off of Jeff Annie forever. Before I had even really thought about it as like an item I need yeah, to be interested it got in. Actual um, time on the court, you were like, you're benched. <laughs> yeah, it was like, uh, you know, a lot of it was like if someone took me to like their favorite restaurant. And the first thing that happened was like a rat shit on my face. So I'm like, I'm sorry, this restaurant is colored in such a negative light. I don't think I can so enjoy the restaurant. There are so many other things you could have said. And there. yet I didn't. Well, it's <laughs> it's, didn't. it's Inktober, and today's premise was a rat. I've already drawn a rat today. So, like, rats is on the brain. Rats is on the brain, like rats ratatouille. Is on your face. And they were fucking pulling my hair and making me <laughs> make pasta or whatever. <laughs> yes. That movie is fantastic. That's a great movie with the worst premise of all time. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they managed to like take one of the so all-time the movies. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Just an all-time like what he pulls on the guy's hair and it controls him like a puppet. But the movie's great. I don't know what to tell you. It works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my collective love for Bourdain and like anything that uh, oh shit I forgot his name. But the guy who makes who produces food shit on Netflix, David Gelb. Uh, there you go. But my, my combined love of Bourdain and David Gelb right. just means that I love this. Uh, I love this movie. Absolutely. So I guess that's where we are now. Ratatouille, good flick. Uh, you know, controversial take. Uh, Ratatouille, good flick. But uh, and <laughs> the episode begins with this like sunny musical number, which I love. It brings me great joy every time I I come across this episode, and then nearly ends with this extensive 2001: A Space Odyssey homage, where like. The 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 room is covered in plastic, and the 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 table is the black monolith from uh, uh, two thousand one. This episode does a really good job of setting up for that moment with all of the conversation about the table, and then using like close ups of Jeff and or Pierce touching the table sure. to to lead up to that moment. They they earn it in an interesting way, even though like. I've fallen asleep during 2001 at least three times. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is Ambien. It's a beautiful cinematic Ambien. It's like the first half of Prometheus. Yeah, before all the dope yeah, shit in the movie Prometheus. Yeah, exactly. But we simply cannot get into it again. I don't want to say it feels like the J.J. Abrams, everything's Cloverfield. Uh, it's not that bad. But everything is Cloverfield. Don't you feel like yeah, but... we're living in a fourth Cloverfield movie? I wish I could just get a fucking sequel to the original. Cloverfield? If we're going to talk Cloverfield, I just want a sequel to the original. I That's mean, speaking it. of John Goodman, <laughs> if y'all uh, have not seen 10, yeah, Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield Lane... Cloverfield Lane's very good. Uh, wh- whips so hard. <laughs> it's very, very good. It's basically a three-hander. And boy, if those three hands are John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher Jr., John Gallagher Jr.? Fuck mm. yes, dude. Let's go. <laughs> Fuck I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ted Cloverfield Lane yeah. uh, rules. Yeah. What if we made a bottle episode movie with three people you love? Cool. Yeah, let's do it. I'll watch it. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. From the director let's... of that Portal short, you know, okay, great. Sounds good. 
Yeah, Dan Trachtenberg? Fuck yeah. Dan Trachtenberg. I'm 100% in. And that movie was hot, and it caught a lot of people's attention, and then unfortunately, Dan Trachtenberg got caught in the nebulous black hole vortex that is the Uncharted movie, and that's why we didn't see anything from him for like five years after (laughs) Ten Cloverfield Lane, because that movie... No yeah. light can escape its grasp. <laughs> it just gets sucked in. That it's movie was worst. like about after like ten years of them trying to make that movie, they were about to start filming with Tom Holland, and then COVID hit. And I'm like, that is a biblical sign from God that you are not to make this film. Please <laughs> do not. <laughs> I beg yeah. you. Yeah. He did an episode of Black Mirror and the Boys, though, so he's staying busy. He's yeah. working in games now too. He's like reimagining the beginning opening parts of uh, Warframe, which is a game that desperately needs its beginning reimagined because it sucks. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you dopeness. Um, yeah, that's all I yeah, got. This, for episode's, you. this episode is a is a start um, of a season. It's start. I'm not gonna say it's bad. I'm not gonna say I hate it. I'm not gonna say I even dislike it. It's just an episode of Community. It um, is there, uh, and it. it... Yep. Uh, does exist. It is made. It is made better the more you watch this season because you realize how many things it starts. I agree. But initially, you're like, okay, <laughs> like, yep. So On few, episode two. So few uh, episodes of Community are bad, and this is not among them. Even though some of it feels wonky and it feels off, you still have that incredible monologue, the incredible opening musical number. The 2001 homage is one of the most like weird, daring things I've ever seen uh, a network show try to pull off. You know, it, it has these excellent redemptive elements, even if I don't think the whole stands up exquisitely well. Yeah, sure. I mean, let's just... So we're I at the ranking sheet here. So let's... Um, let, uh, as a starting point... Oh, I guess uh, we should go to... Uh, the end yeah, tag first. Tag. Uh, this well, end first, tag is... Say, no, go ahead. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. This episode establishes air conditioner repair school. Yes. It establishes Britta as psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And also Britta as, like, I haven't done anything with my life, Britta. Uh, Which is a good Britta. Life, as a like, connoisseur of Britta, uh, this is this is a good arc for her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it establishes uh, security guard Chang. Yep. It establishes uh, Abed's obsession with Inspector Spacetime. Pierce's re-entry into the group. And, yeah. so it is, And the biology class. And Britta and Jeff. Yes. It establishes a lot of, a lot of, I don't know if I've, I feel there's many sitcoms. Is this a sitcom, technically? It's, oh, absolutely. It, okay. I don't know if many sitcoms who take the time in an episode to set into motion five separate arcs they fully plan on paying off by the end of the same season sure and that that is very rare for even even like netflix sitcoms which are much less episodic i think rarely try to lay this amount of pipeline in 21 minutes i wish more of them would i I truly wish more of them would try yeah yeah i would get over a show being a little slow for a first couple episodes if it was because they were laying down something Mm -hmm. that was going to pay off later instead many of them are just slow the first couple episodes and then uh try to accelerate but almost hit a limiter yeah uh see uh netflix's love but uh uh we come to the (laughs) rankings so this this end tag is one of the few community end tags that just feels like we ran out of time 
to finish the episode. So we're just going to finish the episode in the end tag. Because this is where Britta declares her major. We see that Chang is a security guard. Like we, uh, Jeff says, this is the year we all die, which is a good bit. Uh, that's a, <laughs> it's a good bit. Hmm. So it's kind of a non, it's not a lot of a non end tag. It's gonna, there's like, there's not, you know, Britta declaring she wants to be a therapist is a good character moment. It's not a, it's not a great bit. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not even a bit. It's just a moment. So like, all right, so I'm down here. I'm down in the lower part of our end tag like, ranking. I like ears or tails more than this. Oh, excuse me, hiccups. But it's like close. I like ears or tails more than this. I like... Dildopolis at least has jokes. Yes. What screens, man? Screens. That's the like circle around shot where they're all just looking at phones or computers. And then Abed says... <laughs> Nice hang, and then he just like leaves. Um, yeah, so I, I maybe like this one more than that one, just because that one yeah, doesn't sure. do anything for me. That one doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's just people in a room. It's like I yeah, get it. Yeah, that writers works. of television. New number forty-three. New number forty-three. Uh, <laughs> Britta declares her major. <laughs> oh, ooh, really? Really leaps off the page. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm being mean no. to community today. I did. I didn't mean to. <laughs> It's a real bar burner. Oh, shit. Did I say cross No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So Biology 101, as we rank the episode itself, let's I think let's start with, um, is this better than the season two premiere, Anthropology 101? I don't think so. No. There's a lot of stuff I like in this episode, but Anthropology is a much better whole piece. It is a much yes. better consistent. All right. So oh, is this better than the pilot? Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say. Because, well, not by, not by a because lot. Because it's already been established. Mm -hmm. So, like, it can do things like have the vice dean show up. Or it can do things like open with a musical number. Right. <laughs> if the pilot of the show had started with a musical number, oh, uh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't even think the pilot of Glee opens with a musical number. <laughs> sure. You have to establish something right. first. I don't think Smash um, opens with a musical number. Any of those musical shows. Hmm. Yeah. Science of Illusion, the April Fools episode. I think I like this one a little bit more. Yeah. What's the psychology of letting go? Is there his mom, mom dies and the oil uh, mud wrestling uh, fight? And then Intro to Political Science is the election night, right? Or the yeah the, the the Greendale election. Greendale. Those are these are close for me. Like uneven episodes with some really good parts Moments. if i if i think yeah. about the parts of biology 101 that i really like i do like them more than the parts of intro to political science that i like yeah sure so i would agree with it maybe eking up is this better than the drug play let's skip a couple places no i would probably agree with you um i'm not a huge Sorry, that last act of chang just fucking whips really it just works whips. very well uh <laughs> it's good really works very well Okay, so this, so the literal deciding factor is this episode better or worse than custody law and Eastern European diplomacy than Luca who makes hats out of babies? And is custody law Jeff get it going to jail because yeah, because Chang, Chang kidnapped those kids. keys. It's not as it's not as good as that episode. I would put it the between this and Intro to Political Science. Hmm. I have a lot of fondness for some reason of Luca. And his in that episode, you have a much stronger reason, relationship episode, with Luca than I do. 
You two well, are no, close. It's not even just that. It's like how Britta acts around him. And I like, like that. What if he did? <laughs> like, why uh, are you acting so weird? It's we it's very. <laughs> oh, that's very good. That it's is very good. Very good. And then, and then her finding out Luca's like a murderer, and the neighbor playing their trumpet. <laughs> and I do like that. But if I take if I take Britta's plotline in that episode, and then I put the the rest of that episode up against John Goodman, Michael Kenneth Williams, the opening musical number, John Goodman's monologue. No, you're right. You're right. It is better than that. I think it's it's our new it number thirty two. Uh, Biology 101. S3E1, Biology 101. Um, not, I, I think we we came off very negative. I think I'm just a little, like, tired tonight. Um, I, <laughs> this is a fun episode. There's a lot of good shit in this, this episode. episode. Uh, we just, we just yeah. ended up coming out, uh, very negative. I think it's because Glow was canceled. I'm just sour. <laughs> I'm just a little, I'm a little I, sour I patch did kid. See, I did see a video I didn't think I would see of, um... Mark Maron? Of Mark Maron being like, just let us make a fucking movie. Just let us Which, make like, a movie. Mark Maron never has come across to me as the kind of guy to be like, just fucking, just fucking let us try. He's always seemed like come the kind on. of guy that's like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. Fuck he it. does. I don't he, care. he comes off. He's. I'm not like a huge Mark Maron guy. Like WTF is okay. I didn't really like his self-titled show. His stand-up is hit or miss for me. But goddamn, is he good on Glow? Like goddamn, is he good on yeah. Glow? And I could listen to that guy read the dictionary to me. I don't know why. It's for some soothing. reason, the combination of like raspy, smoky, nasal, like wisp, wispy that he has is like it's perfect. And I hope that like someday my eight to ten years of smoking will pay off <laughs> in the same something way, like that. Pay off yeah. dividends like that. Yeah, I do. I do think about like Michael Kenneth Williams' voice, and I was like, what would I have to do at twenty eight years old to achieve that? By the time I am his age, and it's nothing good. It's not, it's nothing no, that I would be grateful no, that I did. <laughs> no, homie, I can tell you from experience. I had a stressful week, and it, it it did encourage me to buy a pack of cigarettes. And I did smoke a pack of cigarettes at a coffee shop <laughs> while talking to yeah. friends. The next day, my voice was exquisite, but I got in the car it's and the tried to show. sing and couldn't. Um, so it's like fuck. There right. are trade offs that you make. Right. Speaking uh, of yeah. Mark Marin and. Uh, the Jewish experience at the beginning of this episode. One of the most recent WTFs is him and Seth Rogen, and it's fucking excellent. It's a one-hour okay. conversation. I listened to it while I was playing Hollow Knight one day, and it's an excellent discussion between two very funny guys about the American Jewish experience. And uh, they don't like Seth Rogen had a movie to promote that American Pickle movie that's on HBO. They barely <laughs> talk about it yeah. at all, except in relation to um the the american jewish experience and i am as gentile as they come but it's fucking fascinating and those two guys are really interesting so i would recommend uh everyone go check out uh that very popular podcast. yeah you did that in july shit dude i missed that by a long shot yeah but if it's still I, there uh, grab it i gotta go, i gotta go through and listen to some of these so yeah he did seth rogan ice tea that can't be a, they can't yes. have much they relate to Hell do yes. they <laughs> um, Giancarlo Esposito, Kerry Washington, right. J.K. Simmons, which I'll watch that. I'll listen yeah, to that one. Love to see it. Yeah, he had a he. Had, WTF is one of those shows where there's stints where it's a bunch of people I've never fucking heard of because he gets into some like uh, nostalgic or like we all grew up together kind of path where I just don't. I don't. I don't know who. I don't know who that is. 
Yeah. Um, and then he gets into these spurts where it's like, yo, I want to listen to that one and that one and that one. And that's why the show stays on my on my uh, list, because occasionally I'll be like, yo, you know what? These names have been slapping for a couple mm. weeks. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a very occasional listener, but I would absolutely recommend uh, the the Seth Rogen episode to everyone. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I think there's too much going on in the world for me to start like a save glow petition. Uh, but if y'all want to just like turn on Netflix while you're working and just play glow in the background to like trick Netflix into making a movie, I think that's like a low <laughs> cost way to trick Netflix. Yeah. I am all about tricking Netflix, and I think we should do that. Because, like, I I did promise Twitter that I would get into it at least a little bit in this episode. But, like, there's this thing that happens with Netflix programming where because they don't have a direct viewership relationship with, like, advertising and income in the same way that, like, NBC does, right? And you're looking at, like, trying to film during COVID. So, like, NBC can look at a show like Superstore and they can say, okay, it's going to cost, like, this much time and money to make this safe to film during quarantine to keep these actors under delayed contract until we can safely film an entire season of Superstore. And this is how much money we make off Superstore every week. So we can, like, we can do that math. But like with and it's one of the there there are, of course, upsides to Netflix. But one of the downsides is that each show is specifically itself devalued because you are paying a subscription for everything that's on Netflix. So Netflix has much less. It's why so many Netflix shows are just like being canceled left and right. Um, That they look at a show like Glow, which is a show based around human contact and human beings touching each other. And um, they look at how much it would cost to keep them under contract during all of this in relationship to them running the numbers of like how many people are going to cancel their Netflix subscription if we never make a fourth season or a movie of Glow. Zero? One? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, And it it devalues each show in turn. But also there's this incredible like amount of accessibility that you pay. what, What is it? 15 bucks a month now and you just have 13 15 something like that and you just have like right now they have almost every like charlie kaufman written movie you know like they they, there are incredible benefits to paying for these streaming services yeah but one of the downsides is that they can they can say like who's going to drop netflix if we just don't spend a lot of money making glow and i agree with uh fucking mark maron just let him make a movie you know they have the whole season written because they were filming it when covid hit so like, if you mu- like let them condense it down, take a year or two if you need to, especially with like this virus showing no sign of letting up, and uh, Netflix make a movie, and uh, yeah. make so, three, yeah. hashtag three seasons in a movie. If they yo, this might be the perfect in for for us for the for community. You go look. Here's a show that we had with a community star on it that was already written, and people were sad, and it's gonna be easy to make the just make a movie on it. But if it does well. Then like, hey, Netflix, just scoop us up. Just, just scoop us up. Just scoop. We'll consult. We'll consult. <laughs> What's up? Just scoop. I mean, <laughs> just scoop. Just just scoop. I mean, what are you gonna lose by scooping? You're you you spent you know seventeen billion dollars last year. You can't you can't scoop a little bit for for a community. I don't I don't know about this. Yeah, you got to. You got to. You got to. Uh, but anyway, um, any I know plugs that we're for in, you, the, in a dismount yes. era dismount phase but i did mention earlier that i my shared love of bourdain and david gelb's directorial and productorial mm-hmm. um 
prowess made me love <laughs> Ratatouille. Um, I just found out that David Gelb is the producer for all eight episodes of Marvel 616. So, yo, that show's going to be fucking beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. And uh, as I think we've mentioned on the show previously, one episode is directed by Gillian Jacobs and another is directed by Alison Brie. <laughs> So, so if they can't make their way into the MCU, they'll make their way into the conversation about the MCU. Right. Yeah. Love it. 100%. Very good. Yeah. So watch those because I was already going to, but David Gelb makes very beautiful stuff happen. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, it's coming out, you know, like right uh, before my birthday, uh, which is such a nice treat uh, from Disney Plus to me. Um, unfortunately, it is coming out one day after Cyberpunk 2077, which I did... <laughs> Uh, pre-order from my local GameStop as a birthday treat for myself. So yeah, I'm gonna have to find a way to tell my family to forget about me hey, for days. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can I just like take a? I was wondering hey, like wife, what you I was. Know how you're doing like two and a half? <laughs> sorry, a month. Um, can you just act like I'm I'm not around or responsible? Can y'all just like that? pretend I'm dead for Thanksgiving this year? I think that yeah. would be best for everyone involved, actually. Just deliver my turkey to my dark room that's going to have only neon lights on because I will be in it. Right. Um, and normally, like, for my birthday, I go to the movies because that's one of my favorite things to do. And I maybe, like, invite some friends to a local uh, bar and grill. And, and w But neither of those seems exquisitely possible this year. So I think for my birthday this year, I'm just going to play Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, but we'll... <laughs> No, I guess uh, it was nice of CD Projekt Red to to plan that five days before my birthday. Yeah, also very nice of them to plan that like ten days after what's sure to be one of the shittiest weeks in American history. It will either be a nice way to unwind a little bit or a nice way to distract yourself a little bit. <laughs> or a nice way to forget the world exists. Uh-huh. Uh, and I guess we'll see... Which one's which? Uh, you know, we're recording this uh, October 6, 2020. And uh, folks, uh, keep getting sick. And I dare not get my hopes up. Uh, Hope is pouting in advance. Hope is Faith's younger, richer, bitchier sister. Hope is uh, the, uh, to quote Frankie Dart, the attic-bound incest, the attic-bound incest-riddled spawn of anxiety and fear. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's a beautiful monologue that we will talk about Very one day. Good. Anyway, uh, read my comic, Platty, Patty Plague Doc, uh, on Instagram. <laughs> Platty Puss. Platty Plague Doc on Instagram. Uh, and I'm doing Inktober right now on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are TV's Kevin Lanigan. Uh, uh, Caleb, anything for you before we go? Oh, not much. Just uh, if you want to follow any of the stuff I'm doing. Follow me specifically at Lubwub, um, and we got we're, we're back. We took a week off last week to do to do uh, personal stuff and get some projects done, and uh, we got podcasts back this week. So Love if you it. like any of our podcasts, nerdybits.com or nerdy underscore bits on Twitter, and follow that uh, that Twitch. It's a it's a nice uh, relaxing Twitch stream. Oh yes, yes, you did come. What did what were we playing when you? I came watched in? Uh, Hades. Okay, of course. Yeah, which sure. is a uh, that's a game. A sexy, I will, I will wait game. for uh, the PS4 uh, port of that, which is inevitable. But um, it it gon' come. That game is super successful. Um, you have a Switch, don't you? I do. Uh, I'll, it's I'll, the Switch. I'll contemplate it. I have a couple games I have to beat on the Switch before I will allow myself to do that. It seems like something I would enjoy on the PS4 a little bit more, but. Yes. Anyway, uh, we will be back <laughs> anyway. next week with 
some very interesting episodes of Community. <laughs> a couple episodes of Community. <laughs> uh, stay tuned uh, for the guest interview following this, and until next week, pop pop. <laughs> We're gonna end the podcast this morning. We're gonna frown the entire time. We're gonna be more crazy. We're gonna finally be fine. The elections in November, and I'm already losing my mind. <laughs> We're gonna fly to school each morning We're gonna smile the entire time We're gonna be more happy We're gonna finally be fine We're gonna get more calm and normal We're gonna fix our state of mind We're gonna be less crazy We're We're gonna gonna finally be fine The crossover event of the century, truly. <laughs> the Save Greendale Committee meeting up with uh, uh, advanced community studies. The, the people have been clamoring for it. It's like when Spider-Man hangs out with the Punisher. It's just, it's what everyone has been wanting to, to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is uh, Alien versus Predator. Freddy versus Jason. But minus the verses. No, no, no. This is a competition. This is a competition. This is, we are competing to have the superior uh, community podcast. I think we all know that if we were going to do that, the, the battlefield would probably be among us at this point. Right. That that's how, oh, that's off, not good but... for me. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, you know, we played that game for like two or three hours the other night as mm-hmm. a communion of uh, uh, community podcasters. And I felt like towards the end, I felt I really like, okay, I understand what I'm supposed to do at any given time. Uh, yeah. I'm still garbage at being the imposter. I'm still hot liquid garbage. <laughs> it's so much pressure. And like, you know, I, we all like have talked before and stuff, but it's still, it's not like playing with super close friends or anything. So yeah. I, I don't even know who people are half the time, you know? And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Like of that crew, yeah. we had like Dom and Andre and mm-hmm. the You Can't Disappoint a Podcast guys. And yeah. I was like, Boy, at any given time, it is very difficult. Like, I know what you sound like, and I know what Alex sounds like from Six yeah. Seasons. And there was one woman, so that was easy. Yeah. Um, but it was any anything beyond that was was getting a little tough. Well, and it's the true test of our uh, our commitment to this whole cooperative thing that we're doing because, <laughs> like, you know, I really we we uh, most of us met each other. Um, at least in terms of video, when we did that big live stream, a bunch of us yeah. like met each other for the first time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, th- that was all very communal. That was all very positive, you know, like and now, like, you know, shout out to Alex. He was, he was an evil, evil motherfucker. That guy he was a true monster. He was yeah. an absolute, an absolute bastard man. Yeah. And, and I've done um, his show, and I know he's done your show, and, and, and vice versa, and everything. And, you know, he's, right. he's probably the most collaborative out of all of us. And yet, you know, he, 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 was, he was 
going for throats that game so absolutely it's like you know <laughs> you you know annie edison or abed nadir for years and then it turns out one of them is the ass crack bandit and you're like yeah. okay this guy's been the ass crack bandit the whole time he's still like a nice guy outside of putting coins down butts but uh it gets a little dicey after that point you know i never thought of this before because i'm not much of a ass crack bandit uh conspirator or conspiracy theor uh-huh. theor theorist um but i i never really thought about this Abed has, you know, we re- it re- it's revealed that he has placed a tracker on the members of the study group. What if the way he did that was by dropping a tiny, you know, quarter-like tracker. Ob- metal object down the pants of his friends and apparently the- many members of the school? He swore you would never find it. Uh, and to be quite frank with you, I don't know your own experience here, but, uh, <laughs> who, what part of your body are you less acquainted with than your own rear end? <laughs> you can't see it. You can't find it. There's not a lot of hard investigation that could go on back there. Uh, forgive the horrible unintentional pun. Um, and I, I just, I think there's a, I am, I am also not, uh, really digging into the ass crack bandit thing. I mean, I really like that episode, but yeah. Also, you know, the point of that movie and the movie it is primarily homaging is that there will never be a concrete answer. We mm. we won't ever find that out. Yeah. Um, and that's that's part of the point. Yeah. I mean, I just I just recorded my episode on uh, the first conspiracy theory episode, the the main conspiracy theory episode um, in I season see. two. And yeah, I mean, that episode is is in the same vein. It's just endless, endless twists for seemingly no purpose. And at the end, they don't really accomplish anything. Um, so <laughs> what if we know. learn? There's that um, I, I, I forget where you stand on season six, but listeners of the show would know I'm a great supporter of it. But there's at the end of basic email security after like everything they've been through and the entire school yeah. has been doxxed and they're just sitting around the table like. What did we learn here today? I like that episode. I just think it's honestly kind of a mess. And like, that's my feeling with a lot of season six episodes is since they're so much longer, um, they just have like scenes that I feel could have been cut out. Um, and I like basic email security is one to me where like, it just keeps getting wackier and not, not like in a, in a paintball or, you know, homage sense like that. Like, but it's just, you know, I, I don't really, it's hard for me to follow that episode. Um, and I, I feel that way about like the RV episode, the road trip one, um, and a few others where it just feels like communities like so much up its own ass at that point, <laughs> <laughs> which I just think they balanced a little bit better in like season two or three. Sure. Um, but I still, I mean, I, at the same time, I mean, <laughs> basic email security is one that me and my friends have been quoting a lot recently for some reason. I don't know why, um, but that it, it's it is funny. Like there are some great stuff in that. It's there's great jokes in that, and I yeah. like the intentional messiness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if they had been forced to contain all of these episodes down to 21 minutes it would have mm-hmm. all been much cleaner and, and streamlined like we were used to uh. in early community but we would also not get like chang's powerpoint 
or yeah. uh, any like Elroy has so many moments in season six that are hilarious and are also the first thing you cut if you need to lose yeah. 30 seconds from an episode. That's true. Yeah, I think it's just the contrast of a bit. I've been watching a lot of episodes. I mean, I'm recording stuff in season two um, for my show. I've been picking random episodes from pretty much everywhere in the show. So there's been this like whiplash going back and forth and, and season six being longer and just kind of having those, um, I mean, I'm going to say filler, but I don't mean that in a negative way. Just like extra stuff that, like you said, could have been probably would have been a uh, deleted for a 22 episode cut. Um, it's just the pace is different. Like the space in season one and two is like really snappy. It, it like the dialogue is is always going at a at a at a really fast rhythm. Um, and yes, season six kind of just slows it down a little bit. You know, I think it's it makes sense. It was the nature of the platform it was different than network TV, and you know they didn't have to fit in commercial breaks and all that stuff. So uh, it, it's you know just a result of the medium, I guess. But um, Absolutely. So I don't really it's... like fault season six for it. Now, they did, uh, by the way, this is uh, the interview portion of Advanced Community Studies. I am joined by Ed <laughs> from the, uh, the the great podcast, The Save Greendale Committee. Um, and uh, Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. Uh, and let's, let's just keep going on that same train that we were on. Because season six makes some interesting choices. Isn't that they, they do keep the commercial break structure... Mm-hmm. as like they're as part of their rhythm you know there are still like act break moments where yahoo screen would just completely fuck up putting a honda ad in the <laughs> it but but they kept that structure and they went longer than because by you know seasons one two and three i think nbc was requiring sitcoms to be like 21 and a half minutes which is yeah. not long at all um and and six those those run times balloon. I think the longest one is like thirty minutes. You know they, um, but it's not as bad as like Arrested Development season four, no. where you're like, God, this is a forty minute episode of Arrested Development. Yeah. You could have cut most of this. Like my word. <laughs> yeah, I never got into. I never watched season five of Arrested. Season four let me down big time, so I, I never even went back and watched the uh, recut they did. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that's kind of something that I with comedies in general. Like I, I think this actually was. Um, I was listening to one of the other community podcasts, and they were talking about Atlanta. And uh, they were arguing about whether it's a comedy or not. And one of them made the point that it was the it's just the fact that it's a half hour that you call it a comedy. And I think that's almost like that can like that now that everything's kind of streaming and like the the format of like the half hour sitcom versus the 40, you know, hour long drama. But really, it's 20 minutes and 40 minutes because commercials like all that stuff is kind of falling by the wayside. Like, so, you know, I. I think a show like Community, you know, or Arrested Development, like I understand them coming back with these longer formats, but it's just I think the result of them trying to make that transition to to where we're at now. Um, Community less so because it, you know, it didn't have the long break in between. Um, but yeah, with Arrested, it, it, I, with Arrested Development, it was it was like they were completely rethinking the show when they brought it back with season four. Um, you know, the, the the entire format was different. I know that had to do with scheduling and stuff too. There was a lot of factors involved, but still, it was, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, 
the TV's completely changed, so. Right, absolutely. And we still produce, like, half-hour sitcoms and and, mm-hmm. uh, and all those things. Like, most networks still have their own 30-minute comedy blocks. But the the Netflix or, you know, Hulu, whatever, insert your streaming platform of choice mm-hmm. here, are all now kind of following the HBO model, where yeah. it's like the runtime is not necessarily determined because we're not fitting in ad space um and i honestly don't think that is good for most comedies i think Mm -hmm. most comedies would be maybe not like 21 minutes but if every episode of every like netflix comedy was like we're going to be 25 minutes and anything like self-imposed restrictions would probably do all of those shows a big, big service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that's a good point, but also at the same time, now that I'm thinking about it, most of the like these like half hour shows that I guess kind of fall under comedies, you know, the, the HBO type shows, the kind of berries, Atlanta, um, things like that, that like they, they all have some sort of, darker or more serious or more dramatic element to them that i think helps pad that runtime um and well whereas i there's you know i mean i guess it's different because it's a sketch show but i think of something like i think you should leave which has like 16 minute episodes so you know it's like the perfect length for that show you know yeah it's like either they're getting less comedic or they're just shortening the runtime you know like i can't really think of that many like full half hour comedies then again i don't really watch a lot of like the uh, like netflix sh- i didn't watch space force or any of like any of those um you, for instance you, you didn't miss it uh yeah but um to, to uh it's uh, there was something that mike sure said uh in regards to why he took the good place to nbc because after parks mm-hmm. and rec michael shore could basically get a show at any network he truly wanted you know Mm -hmm. the the acclaim of that show the number of like people in the industry and actors that wanted to work with him and especially you throw like Kristen bell and ted danson on there you can probably Mm. get that show made anywhere but he chose nbc because they would make him make those hard cuts he has to get the episode to 21 and a half minutes. And sometimes that will make the show suffer a little bit. Like uh, Parks and Rec would have a, one or two episodes a season that had like producers cuts you could watch on the DVD mm. where it's like a few minutes longer. But yeah. if The Good Place can do 21 and a half minutes, then anyone can. Because that show is shoving more stuff down the barrel than any show I can think of. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that, that's a good point. I mean, I um, I I think part of it is that you know when you compare TV to film, right, or to to fil- TV making to filmmaking, if you take these shows that don't have the network restrictions, you know, especially stuff made for streaming, like especially as you get you know over the 40, 45 minute mark, these are just serialized short films, you know, and and it's like the writing still has that serialized structure, so it's different from filmmaking in that way, but. You know, like, I think what really, really differentiated TV from film as, like, an art form was that structure of having to to fit within the, you know, not only the short format, but the act breaks, the commercial breaks, you know, without all those things. Like, and this is not at all a bad thing, but something like Atlanta, you know, 
is is essentially a bunch of half hour short films and not all of them are really even that connected to each other um right. or shows like high maintenance on hbo which is literally just like an anthology series they get a little bit more uh like you know they have a little bit more overarching stories in some of the later seasons but i mean it's pretty much just little vignettes in each episode yeah, I would, I guess, ultimately, if I must make a statement, I think it depends on the pace or the the comedic tone and pace that is inherent to your show, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, Atlanta, is it a comedy or isn't it? It's definitely funny. Is it, like, mm-hmm. a capital C comedy is sort of up for debate? I would hit, I would just apply dramedy to yeah. it. Uh, but the the pace that that show is very intentionally striving for mm-hmm. doesn't need those hard 21-minute cuts, you know, hit every act break on a big joke, like yeah. uh, in Conspiracy Theories, where Jeff is like, I don't know! You know, like that. Like, Atlanta does not need that juice, mm-hmm. so it being a little shaggier, a little longer, odds and ends, works in that show's favor more yeah. than it would say community or arrested development even mm-hmm. though i quite like community season 6 but i was not i was not into arrested development season 4 <laughs> sorry coogler <laughs> oh poor coogler uh, that's actually a good point after the initial run of arrested development definitely my favorite piece of uh his his uh his his output to the world is coogler it's coogler uh, much more than much more than those later uh, arrested seasons but yeah i mean it, it's just I, I could almost be convinced to just feel, you know, without prior to this conversation that, yeah, maybe the, the restrictions of network TV are, you know, bad and should be, you know, pushed aside or whatever. But, yeah, it's 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 what kind of gives us that, you know, it, if without it, we wouldn't have, you know, these other serialized things because they probably would end up just being movies or something else entirely. But, uh, yeah, that that I don't know, that structure is yeah i think valuable i'm glad it um, i hope it doesn't go away entirely um i don't think it will because there are still a lot of successful network shows um and people do watch cable um even if it is less than less than it used to be uh but also i watched you know a couple of some of the like netflix originals that aren't actually netflix originals they're like canadian sitcoms or you know other stuff like that and those kind of work in an interesting way because i never watched them on tv with that format um it's always just you know binging them on netflix and yet they still have that uh you know it's i mean it's the same as i guess watching any americans you know tv show uh later on on netflix or something but i mean it can still work that much later after the fact yeah and i uh you know other other folks's mileage may vary but when i turn on netflix or i turn on hulu I'm not usually watching a capital N Netflix original. I'm usually yeah. watching something that was originally on NBC or FX or or some other larger network mm. that has like landed on Netflix. I I um and so that kind of feedback structure wouldn't exist and as much as netflix puts out like an original every week netflix also depends really hard on the office and uh community when it landed like these these network shows that produce 
seasons and seasons of episodes that Netflix's internal production doesn't usually allow for see glow or any other number of examples. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you put it that way, because the, the core of their internal output, like like glow and and stranger things you know even the like house of cards and orange is new black like they were not going for the they were not trying to make the things that people used netflix for you know i mean they Mm -hmm. they, they're they're trying to make this like prestige content and it's good like a lot of it is really good i mean they the even their movies like have, have gotten really really good but um it's not like, yeah, I, I think most of us use Netflix for half hour, you know, binge watching half hour sitcoms rather or or 40 minute dramas. But still, it's not the type of stuff that Netflix is actually putting out. And I don't know, maybe they would be better served if they could if they did just start making that stuff. But I know they've tried and um, even stuff that it's not a half hour sitcom, but stuff like the Joel McHale show, like, you know, that was their kind of attempt at doing something that doesn't really seem like a Netflix thing. It's 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 much more of a you know a, a cable TV thing, and it, it kind of didn't really work. Um, and I, yeah, I think some of, some of their sitcoms went for that the multi camera approach too. Um, and I haven't heard great things about those either. Yeah, um, I know there's like the ranch. Uh, I think I haven't watched it, but that one day at a time show I think was oh, also like multi cam. Yeah. That but, got uh, good reviews. I, I did see that was pretty well loved. Um, People seem to like it. I mean, uh, the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale is an interesting case because it is literally a show Joel McHale did on cable, but they basically (laughs) just changed the name. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It is just the soup. It even has, like, the same internal canon and recurring characters. It just... (laughs) can't use the name the soup uh so that that is kind of an interesting example that's true maybe not the best example but yeah i mean they they don't really um i mean i guess i guess you know it might be cheaper for them frankly to just import canadian and australian and you know uk sitcoms or whatever and then not you know produce their own um uh but i don't know yeah it it is interesting yeah, Netflix spent like what seventeen billion dollars on yeah. programming or whatever last year, and it's way cheaper to buy the rights to Shit's Creek or Crazy Ex-Girlfriend yeah. than it would be for them to produce seasons and seasons of both of those shows. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they've got to like. I know they're in like. I know they're not in the clear right now i know they're in debt like they've oh they've been spending and spending and spending and and i'm sure the i'm sure the subscriptions are rising otherwise they probably would have stopped but like i i i can't imagine what the hell their end game is like it just it it seems completely like just just outpace everyone else and then we'll be the only one standing when clearly that's not the way it's going right it's they're spending far more money than they're making like netflix is doing well but I don't know about like seventeen billion dollars just yeah. in production costs alone. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, but also in these spheres of like apps and production, like Uber has never operated at a gain. It has been operating at a loss since it's existed. And, mm. and people say the same things about, like, Amazon. That Amazon has never been, like, truly profitable. 
but no one is worried about the future of any of these these apps right. and these businesses because it's all made up. We just made up a bunch of numbers. We made up money, <laughs> and none of it none of it means anything. Well, none of yeah. it makes any sense. <laughs> it's, That's true. I mean, as long as they're still not paying taxes, it really doesn't matter. So, I mean, right? Like, what <laughs> Uncle Sam don't get any of the money. It all goes to Big Jeff. So, yeah. Um, oh my God! Did you see that video of Jeff Bezos with the robot arms? No. <laughs> He's at some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of event where they're like showing off like new technology to him. And, you know, Big Daddy Jeff Bezos comes over and uh, it's like it's like the scene in Spider-Man 2 when Doc Ock pulls out the arms for the first time. It's like he's it's like these it's like two gloves control, like two power gloves controlling two mechanical arms. And he's like the first fucking thing he does is put his hands up and like laugh in the most unintentionally maniacal way you ever could it is it's like i I, there are times like that i'm like there is a writer's room somewhere writing all this shit like there's no way that stuff just happens i don't believe it it simply must be it's like uh you know allegedly there's a podcast about community but whatever it's anytime (laughs) you see one of these billionaires try to interact with people you're like this is an alien this is not. This is not a person. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you have a, you have an entire different set of concerns every morning when you wake up. Like it, it's it's literally like a separate separate species. Like no offense to any billionaires who might be listening, but like <laughs> I don't I don't view you as having the same basic human needs as I do. And like not going to try to take away yours until I have to. But you know, like <laughs> if if your Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a hundred percent different than mine yeah are we the same species yeah. are we indeed like a member of the same the same group i don't know if we are i know <laughs> but community uh Com- so this is uh uh allegedly uh about the season three premiere biology 101 <laughs> are you do i remember correctly that you well you said season one was your favorite but i think you're a big season three guy if i remember correctly I mean, yeah, the first three seasons are pretty flawless as far as I'm concerned, um, with a couple exceptions. I'm not a big fan of, like, one or two. Like, I'm not a big fan of the season one finale. Um, no, me neither. It's, like, one or two episodes in season two uh, that are maybe a little more forgettable. Um, and season three, I'm just not a big fan of how how crazy the Chang stuff gets. Like, the, the first Chang Dynasty episode, um, the, <laughs> the elaborate heist. Like, I that's where I start to get lost a little bit. Like I was worried about that with a uh, virtual assist, uh, or uh, the, the dreamatorium episode. Um, mm-hmm. I was worried about that, but I managed to follow. I managed to stay on board, right. but uh, first Chang dynasty. I was just like, it, it's, it's crazy. And I don't know if it's funny. Um, some of it so definitely you, is, but right. And uh, you're like, okay, first Chang dynasty, by the end of the season, Chang is literally <clears throat> about to blow up, the school yeah the spanish teacher (laughs) from the first season has gotten to a point character wise where his guitar has wired the school to blow and that is i that is one of those kind of points of no return that this show reaches where it's like once we've gotten there how do you ever go back to we're taking a pottery class. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, even the even the actual season finale after that episode, when it's just like the the tr- like the court like the trial over uh, the Shirley sandwiches and everything, yeah. um, it's still like it feels like such a nothing finale, and not that it's bad, but just like stakes wise, like it's so it's so the epilogue to all that bullshit that episode right. before. I'm realizing this now for the first time. I think part of the issue is that in that episode, community for the first time really kind of felt cheap to me. <laughs> like, you can usually, like, I know the budget went down significantly in this season, but I never really felt it. Like, they're always so good at, like, using what they have. And in the early seasons when they had the assets, that like, they use them uh, very, very well. Um, but, like... I don't know. I just felt like the the costumes and stuff in that episode, just everything, and most mostly it's the weird lightsaber battle bit at the end that I just completely. I'm just like, okay, they needed another pass at this. They really needed another yeah. pass at this. Could we um, not find a way to cut to just like Chang getting hit in the face or however that that sequence ends? Maybe maybe we maybe we need it. Yeah, Just and one like, more go. And to compare it to the episode, I guess we're actually talking about um, uh-huh. the like the the opening number, like the whole <laughs> two thousand one bit at the end, like all that stuff is put together so well. I mean, I don't know how much any of that would individually cost. I imagine a mass, a big musical number, probably isn't the cheapest thing they put together. But I mean, they that like the, <laughs> it's a big way to open this season, and I I I don't know. It's it's. The season premieres and finales are never really my favorites, um, or, or the ones I rewatch the most because they're usually the most plot heavy. Um, mm-hmm. But this is one that I, I guess I've seen a lot recently because as I was rewatching it for this, I was remembering almost every line right before it happened. And there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. There's a lot of it's kind of like an uneven episode, but also if you think about the sheer number of things that this episode sets up that we will play mm-hmm. with all season, like. Chang security guard, air conditioner repair school, uh, Pierce's return, the biology class, you Mm -hmm. know, okay, maybe, maybe this was just, they needed to lay down some track so that we could do uh, pillows and blankets halfway through this season. So we could do these things. Inspector space time, Troy and Abed living together. Like it's just, there's so much in this episode. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it's like, two episodes three episodes later we get remedial chaos theory so it's like they do this work early on and then they they pay it off pretty quickly it doesn't take long once you get out of this first batch of three which i'm Mm -hmm. like i think there's good stuff in there but i'm overall pretty lukewarm on Mm -hmm. there it's hits almost all the way through the rest of the season an unbelievable like season two level batting average here Mm -hmm. um it's 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 good stuff good show yeah. community i like it yeah and and to go back to early, like initially when we started talking about season three just uh, the reason i always go with season one is because i tend to gravitate towards the just kind of happier lighter version of community that that uh, provided but i think this season is the pinnacle of this wackier version of community that is really what most people think of community um but i think season two especially as i'm rewatching it for the podcast is like makes a great case for itself because it balances the two i think almost flawlessly like it's really the perfect middle ground between like what community started as and what it became absolutely yeah as it's like because it is still 
evolving and it is still changing, you know, you can still do accounting for lawyers where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they go to a lawyer party uh, and <laughs> and space bus two episodes later. And, yeah. and that's what we can do. And we don't really refine that balance, I feel, no. until season six comes the closest where you're mm. like, okay, we are doing quote unquote normal episodes again. Like, oh, yeah. this is just an episode where we meet Britta's parents. This is an episode where they're just selling Hondas. And it's not <laughs> Meow Meow Beans where we're completely, like, reinventing the mm-hmm. show for an entire episode. Well, yeah, that's that's that makes me think. Like, season five, it almost feels like they were like, okay, we have to bring it back to season three. We have to, we have to bring it back to where we left off when Dan Harmon left. And then they did that for season five. Like season five really tonally feels a lot like season three um, mm-hmm. and and even looks a lot like it's just darker. Um, but then season six, yeah, is like, all right, now let's like, what is the next stage of community? And in a lot of ways, I think season six feels like a different show, like with, with how different the cast is at that point. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that's. Uh, necessarily in a bad way, but oh, no, because no. of, you know, by the time you get to season six, three of the original cast members are gone. Um, and that's something I think used to be more common on sitcoms. Oh, yeah. That, like, the Cheers cast changed a number of times, and mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, a completely different show. I think yeah. we're just used to the office or mm-hmm. parks and rec for the most part where it's like we're pretty much keeping the same group mm-hmm. for the entire duration of the show yeah and i think part of it with community is since the the story is so character driven they kind of have to adjust when you lose characters especially someone like troy or or pierce frankly who drove a lot of the plot um in especially early on and uh they had to they, they had to adjust or it would feel you know like when they replaced uh uh, Topher Grace on one season of that 70s show and just tried to act like we wouldn't notice, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, this is, this is, a, they'll all still hang out in the dude's basement for some fucking reason. The same guy's basement, even though no one lives there anymore. Or I guess, like, other characters, like, Hyde had moved in. Yeah. To, I oh God. They needed to put him back show. there just to give him an excuse to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, I mean, even, uh, like, I don't know. I, it's hard when you lose key characters, and Community clearly did, and they found ways to still make it work. But I think season six, with how many were gone by that point, and how many new characters they added, it, it was the... I, I mean, I just think Frankie's, like... I mean, Elroy, too, but Frankie's introduction in that first episode of season six is, like, a great way of showing how... They're like, look, we're going to ground the show... But by grounding it, it's going to be also crazier. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, she kind of just represents that, like, she doesn't get it, but she really wants to try. So, yeah, absolutely. And I I think the every time we add or subtract a, 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 a key cast member, they do a good job of it not feeling like that 70s show where they're just like, hey, look, new Eric. You know, uh, the joke in the season six premiere where the Dean says new Shirley and it's Frankie is that she's nothing like Shirley Uh, (laughs) and and Elroy or the closest they come is Hickey in for Pierce. But Hickey's energy is very different 
that yeah. uh, 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 Chevy Chase's energy. They don't even make the same kind of old jokes about Hickey that they do Pierce because he's not uh, oaf the way Pierce is, so it doesn't and really apply. They wouldn't apply. dare. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's too, yeah, he's too scary. Him. You wouldn't yeah. make those jokes about Jonathan Banks in the same yeah. way. Well, this has been fun. Ed, uh, yeah. now's the time to tell uh, the folks uh, where they can find you on the Dangle internet if they want to hear more. Uh, yeah, you can check out the Save Greendale Committee podcast. Uh, if you look that up on any major podcasting platform, you'll probably find it. Uh, you can also follow me on twitter uh, at sgc underscore podcast um and there you'll find a link to a bunch of ways to find the show that might be a little easier than searching it um and you can also follow for updates on my show and uh other just random community stuff and at this point it's just kind of random thoughts mostly about tv but not necessarily specifically. Um, and for completely unfiltered me, uh, go to at E. Wilshire Prime on Twitter. Um, uh, Wilshire with two L's. And uh, no, I actually don't tweet that that much from that account because I use the other one more. But yeah, yeah. So that that that's yeah. where I'm at. You mm-hmm. you get one for like video game updates, and you get one for community updates. Pretty much, uh, yeah. No, that that's kind of that's kind of where it's at now. Yeah, <laughs> occasional like PS4 screenshot or something, uh, things like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've streamed and... once. I might do that again. So I guess you can you can check me out for that if you want. You had uh, the the uh, Star Wars prequel meme about shifting sands land, right? Do I? Oh is yeah. That you? Okay, <laughs> yeah. Good. That, I'm glad I remember. I was that very correctly. proud of that one. Yeah. That made me laugh. I had a good time with that because I also don't like shifting sands land. It gets everywhere. It's coarse. <laughs> I don't care for it. This has been a Talkback Podcast. That was quite a show.